What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Oh, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. How is everybody? Has anyone punched their family members? Has anyone tried to run away from home and Boris Johnson tackled you down? No, didn't think so. Uh, I'm on day one, two, three. I'm in day three of being quarantined, quote unquote. Yesterday, I didn't leave my house. I feel kind of gross for it, but is what it is. I know I was allocated a, a walk, but my mum didn't want to come with me, and I, and I live on a hill, <laughs> literally the middle of a hill, and I have to walk like, to be fair, I have to walk like five minutes up a hill. It's not much, but I didn't fancy it. Um, I'm lucky I've got a garden, so I've done a little bit of walking around in the garden. Uh, it's not that big of a garden, by the way. I just literally walk to the seats, sit down and walk back in. <laughs> um, I'm very, very lucky in the fact that I've got an exercise bike so I can kind of stay active here. Um, and I've kind of got some weights here as well. But I wanted to just briefly talk about things that you can get hold of in order to maximize the muscle retained. I know that I did a full thing about what you need to do um, about retaining muscle and whatnot, but I think it'd be important just to talk about the equipment specifically. So wherever you can, buy a barbell. Buy a barbell, buy some dumbbells. If you can get a dumbbell and if you can get some a, a barbell with some decent weights on there, you're sorted. If you're if you're a girl out there and 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 you can get a barbell and some and some weights, you're gonna be laughing because obviously the amount of weight that you need to push is gonna be less than than a lot of guys. Probably not a lot of guys, but you know, for me, for example, I've got a bench press, you know, 140 kilos. To get 140 kilos of weight is gonna be a nightmare. But for a girl to get 60, 80 kilos of weight, like you're going to be sorted. You can squat, hip thrust, you can barbell row, you can shoulder press, you can single arm row dumbbells, you can do lateral raises still, you can do bench press, you can do meadows rows, you can do all types of things. So wherever you are, get some bands, get a dumbbell, dumbbells plural, and get some barbells. And it's really, really going to make your job easier to retain that muscle. And in fact, I would hazard a guess if you've got a rack and some weights that you can't lift, like more weight than you can lift, 200 kilos or something, whatever it is, I would say you can grow. There's no reason why you can't grow. Um, and I'm extremely excited to get my my cable stack and my T-bar row because then I definitely will be growing and I will be able to hit those those failure points, um, which is awesome. A lot of people ask me when it's coming. It said within 10 days. I ordered it two days ago. So 10 working days, probably going to be two weeks or so. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking this is going to last longer than the three weeks that Bojo has said, because I think people will probably still be stupid about it. I've seen a lot of pictures of the tube. Have you seen those pictures of the tube? The day one of lockdown and the tube was rammed and people were just wearing more clothes. That was there. That was their safeguard against coronavirus, just wearing more clothes. So I was a little bit uh, disconcerned about that, um, to say the least. So we'll see how we go. Fingers crossed we can wrap this up in three weeks and just do our bit to stay indoors, and that would be very, very nice. Um, I'll be very annoyed because I spent a lot of money on these cable stacks, but you know they're fresh, they're new, so I could probably sell them if I needed to. I'll probably keep the cable stack. I'll probably sell the T-bar row. The cable stack was the most expensive thing. It was above a £1,000, but... I do want to open a gym, like, you know, looking for this equipment, it got me excited, it got me, got me thinking about that future, that one my gym, it'd be, it'd definitely be something in my, in my eyes for sure. I think there's a few things that I've noticed from quarantine. Number one, it's very easy to get bored, um, which then 
kind of puts you in this mindset of just doing fuck all. Like I noticed that yesterday, I just was on my phone so much, you know, re-scrolling or sorry, you know, pulling down on the Instagram story to load everyone's new stories, to load everyone's new posts. Granted, I've still got a lot, a lot of work to do um, because obviously I've got approximately 5 million home plans to write. So um, I've been I've been fairly busy in the day, so it's been all right. But I know that once this initial kick of, of clients needing home workout plans go, there's going to be a lot less for me to do. And there's gonna, you know, I'm going to have to find myself looking into new things, how to get creative and, you know, look into the future of my business and, and, and just, you know, make things to do. And I think it's very fucking easy to get away with doing nothing, to get away with just sitting down, watching the TV, looking at your phone and watching and supersetting the TV with your phone. It's very, very easy to do that. Um, another thing I noticed is it's very easy to get low energy. And I noticed that yesterday I had low energy. I couldn't have trained yesterday, even though I did a home workout the day before. Um, I've been sleeping like 10 hours a night. I don't know what it is about this vibe of just being inside all day and, you know, not setting an alarm and not really being in that normal routine. Not that I'm actually doing anything much different than normal. Like, I, the only difference is I go out to the gym and most of the time I'm inside the rest of the day. But just when you've got that, that no, you can't do that, it, it kind of gives you that little mild anxiety. And, and I definitely was suffering the first couple of days of... You know, when I was thinking about what's going to happen with my business, what's going to happen with, you know, all the coaching and how am I going to continue to make money during this? Because obviously a lot of people have, have paused. Fortunately, a lot of people haven't. So I am actually fine on that front and, and I am going to be fine over this period of time, depending how long it goes. If it goes to six months, maybe not. Um, but I did get that low level anxiety. And I, and I know that my mum is, is, is kind of feeling it a little bit as well that, you know, she's never been told that she can't leave the house in her time and, and my mum's 65 so she's very very careful about it she doesn't want to end up getting it even though she's been in bed for the last three days potentially with coronavirus which is pretty pretty horrible to say the least but i don't like talking about it too much publicly um and then of course like my, my, my girlfriend as well like she's she works from home so now she she wakes up she works out in in her you know one bedroom flat she's allowed one walk she works even more now because she's one of those people who will just work more than anything and she's got that ability to just not move very far to go work. You know, at least in the morning, she could go take her, her commute to not do work. She'd get the commute back to not do work. But now she's just like, I can just work all the time, you know, because she's one of those people. And I think a lot of people are going to, you know, people with that mentality are going to lose themselves in doing too much work. They're going to burn out. They're going to get very, very tetchy very, very early because they haven't broken up that work period with their normal lunchtime, their normal commute their normal outside fresh air, their normal sunlight, they haven't been doing that normal thing. So I think it's very, very important to have those key, those key ingredients there of getting outside, get your fresh air. You know, I know we've got one walk a day, try split your day up if you're working at home. Um, or if you're not, try do it when everyone can do it and you can go out for a communal walk. Leave your phones at home, you've got all day, all day to be on your phones. You know, we've got no excuse to not be on our phones, essentially. You know, so just leave your phone at home when you go for that walk. You know, spend some time without it. I promise you, your brain's going to thank you for it. I'm sure a lot of people here have had screen eyes where you kind of got that mild headache and your eyes are hurting a little bit from just looking at a screen. Trust me, I look at a screen all day anyway. Um, so I feel you. But just get away from it. Get that, that fresh air. That's that light help the circadian rhythm. Fresh air is going to help as well. It's going to help boost those endorphins. On a chemical level, it's going to help. Um, I think that's really, really important for people to to not just 
keel away and just sit inside all day because it's very, very easy to do that. And I noticed that yesterday. I'm very lucky that I've got a garden I can sit outside in. So I ended up just sitting outside all day. Um, but it's very, very easy to get lazy. It's very, very easy to get unmotivated. My suggestions to you guys are going to be depending on, on what your work scenario is. If you're working, obviously, you, you've not got too much of a problem. You still want that rest. And you're working those still 9 to 5, 9 to 6, whatever you'll be working, you're still you're still putting it in. So you've got to be very, very, you know, on top of it. For those people who are not working from home and who have maybe temporarily lost their jobs or they're not working, you need to find something to fucking do, guys. You need to find something to do. Maybe it's listening to this podcast. Maybe it's listening to podcasts, plural. Um, maybe it's finding a new hobby. Maybe it's finding something that you want to get good at. You know, maybe it's learning something new on the computer. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's gaming a little bit. Sure, maybe it is gaming a little bit. And that's that's not necessarily my go-to piece of advice is to start gaming when you can't do anything. But do something that's going to stimulate your brain. Do something that's not going to just have you watching TV the whole day and supersetting TV with, you know, kitchen trips. Because it's very, very easy to do that. Um, and I'd urge you to do what you can to kind of pull yourself um, away from what your body just wants to do, you know, because naturally we're going to, we're going to, we as humans, we are adaptation machines, you know, we sit down for 20 hours a day, your body is going to adapt to that. The bones are going to get weaker, your cartilage, your ligaments, everything is going to get weaker if you do that for weeks and weeks and weeks. You're going to lose your muscle mass because you're not using it. You're going to gain body fat because it's much more metabolic, metabolically efficient to have body fat versus muscle mass. So you've got to consider these things that if you, you your body's going to become what you do, it really, really will. So if you're interested in health and well-being, being fit and healthy, you've got to do those things. Get up, go for a walk, do your HIIT workout in the morning. Something that Amy, my girlfriend, has been doing has been doing HIIT workouts in the morning. Get your heart rate flowing, do a workout, and then get your, get your work done, you know? Because you've got to stimulate that brain. You've got to stimulate your lungs, your heart, your cardiovascular system. If you're not, it's going to regress. It's going to regress. It's going to be a, an uphill battle of regression right now. And we've got to put what we can into it to stop that regression. Having something to focus on is going to take away that anxiety. Um, not fully, I realize that everyone, or a lot of people are going to be facing anxiety during these times. Um, I, I think the anxiety was in the air a couple of days ago when all this was starting to happen I could feel it I could I could sense it from my from my mum I could sense it when I went out it was this weird eerie feeling of like we know what's about to happen and it's not here yet but it's going to happen now that it's happened I've definitely calmed down a little bit I've definitely kind of settled into my routine here um, and just trying to keep busy with podcasts and trying to keep busy with you know clients and trying to keep busy with just future plans and looking further into that website as I said in the last podcast um, and, I, and I just urge people to keep busy in this time. So I thought I would uh, just go over. I know that this is the problem with content right now is that you can't make content about things that you can't do. I mean, you can, but it's not ideal, right? So I'm going to talk about some some exercises that probably aren't worth it because we can get the same rewards from other safer exercises. Now, granted, a lot of these you might not be able to do. And actually, granted, some of these you might have to do in this in this, in this this time because we don't have access to the other ones, right? So, for example, my, the biggest one um, or the biggest ones that I look at are things like a dumbbell fly. 
um, a, a shoulder press, a lat pull down, dips, an upright row, squats, good mornings, sissy squats. Now, the reason why I would highlight these exercises, we'll go through them now. Dumbbell fly for me. Um, the resistance profile, which is essentially when the resistance gets heaviest, hardest, um, it doesn't really match the the pec that well. And as well as that, um, we're also causing a lot of internal joint forces within that shoulder, which we can get, we can, we can reduce, we can reduce massively. So for example, you take a dumbbell fly, you've got the weight in your hands, that's immediately going to add a little bit more weight into that internal joint pressure. Um, if you took that weight from your hand and put it on your elbow, say for example, a cuffed fly, um, we're going to greatly reduce the distance um, that the load is coming in from, but we're still going to be able to load that pec as much as as much as normal, really. We're going to put that same amount of weight through it, but we can just kind of greatly reduce the pressure on the elbow and also the shoulder, so it makes sense for us to do that. Similarly with a shoulder press, if you've got a 90-degree angle bench press and you're pushing through directly through that shoulder, the, the, yes, you may get a couple percent more lateral head fibers recruited, but for what detriment, for what for what shoulder internal joint, you know, for what joint pressure in that shoulder are you risking? Whereas you could just drop it one notch, two notches, reduce, greatly reduce the shoulder pressure um, and massively increase your safety, which I think is, is, is where we should all be focused on the safety of lifting because a lot of people will. We'll just disregard it and, 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 and you may be fine when you're young, you may be fine when you smash a load of gear, it might be fine, but it's not going to be fine when you're doing this for 20 years and then you get to the 20th year and you cannot lift anything and you have to change everything you do because of it. Lat pull downs, just inefficiently hitting your lats, a lot more of a, like a terrors hitting, rear delt hitting movement. Sure, you're going to recruit a little bit of the fiber of the lat but nowhere near as much as keeping that humerus as close to the body as possible. So think so think underhand grip and kind of bringing your elbow nice and close to the body um, or more specifically a D-handle pull down, which would be much, much better because you allow that rotation at the elbow. The problem with the fixed bars or anything that's fixed is that they don't allow natural rotations to happen. So your rotation from my rotation in the wrist, in the elbow, at the shoulder, is all going to be different, different degrees, varying degrees of, of rotation, right? So using a fixed bar never makes sense for me. Like doing a doing a, a barbell bicep curl hurts my wrists, it hurts my elbows, and it just feels uncomfortable and you don't get a proper pump on it. So you've got to be very, very considerate of that. Using anything that's got a slight bend in it is going to help. Even more so, using a D-handle that can fully rotate is going to help and be unique to you. So you can uniquely rotate um, using a D-handle and you and someone else can come on the same D-handles and uniquely rotate. So that's something to consider. Um, a dip. Now, I, I, I do like a dip, but there is a lot of pressure through the shoulder joint. It's, it's, it's going to largely depend on how well your joints kind of handle it and how well your how well you're executing but i'd be less inclined to target a dip because we can target those you know the front delt better we can target the lower lower kind of um sternal um sternal fibers of the pec a little bit better as well through like a, a decline fly or something um a barbell upright row from for those specific things that we we talked about earlier just having that fixed position like it just feels awkward like if you've ever tried a barbell upright row 
It just feels awkward. Literally, get some D-handles, put them over the ends, and then put your plates on. You're going to have such a better time. Now, the issue of squats and good mornings is that they're a very, very high skill requirement. So you need to be able to, you know, skillfully squat down and get back up again with no chinks in the armor. Um, and we've also got to consider that lower back loading of a, uh, a squat, a deadlift, or anything like that is going to load the spine. Me, I, I notoriously just can't load my spine that much. I just get such a bad lower back. It doesn't mean that it's a problem. I can still work my erectors efficiently. I can still work my lower back efficiently. So that's not the problem. The issue is, is that when you've got a, a chink in the armor, like you're a little bit weak when you load when you load your spine, that squat is going to take away from your ability to load your spine, right? So I, I need to load my spine. You need to load your spine at some point because you want it to get stronger. Now, if you've only got a certain amount of exercises that you can load your spine with, you've got to be very, very selective in what you're loading with and, 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 and what your target is. So for me, I usually go for an RDL because I know that I need bigger hamstrings, I know I need bigger glutes, and I know that I need that lower back to be strong. Whereas if I'm squatting, there's not a lot of uh, direct lower back loading, but it's putting a lot of pressure through, compressional pressure. Um, I've definitely got the skill requirement to squat. Uh, I've been squatting for, for kind of eight years, nine years. Um, my issue is, is that when I'm trying to get a little bit more tactile in what I'm trying to target, for example, if I want to target my quads a little bit more, a squat probably isn't the most efficient thing for, uh, for targeting your quads. You can do better with a pendulum because you can choose um, where you put that line of force. You can choose where that moment arm is and you can make sure that you're you're not, not loading so much. So if you can imagine a side profile of a squat and you imagine a line coming directly down from where the bar is all the way down through the floor through your feet if your knees travel over that line more than your glutes do it's going to be slightly more quad dominant and if your glutes come over slightly more than your quads do it's going to be slightly more glute dominant but the issue with the squat is it pretty much comes down the middle so you don't have one more than the other. Now, this is fine if it's part of your programming. It's fine because you're just kind of equally hitting those glutes, hams, and, and quads. Um, I personally just like to hit my quads more directly and my glutes more directly because I think we can get more bang for our buck having exercises that are directly hitting those things rather than like 50-50. It's similar to like when people say, Josh, I want to be a rugby player, but I also want to bodybuild. It's like, well, you're going to be you know, all right at both. You're not going to be great at one because you, you're spreading yourself too thinly. And it's the same thing with a squat. Like, do you want to put more focus on your quads or more focus on your hamstrings? Because doing a squat is kind of hanging around in the middle, right? Some people can squat perfectly and they can, and, and, and I say perfectly, but I don't mean perfectly. I just mean some people squat with a quad intent and that's great. You could program that. Some people squat with a glute intent and, and that's fine you could program that just largely people kind of fall in the middle so we could do things a little bit more efficiently it's not to say don't that squatting isn't going to grow your legs it's definitely going to grow your legs you squat 180 for reps you're going to have bigger legs big legs for sure um the issue just becomes when you get a little bit when you do get stronger when you do get a bit more advanced you're trying to target things more directly um there are better things i've not squatted in a long 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 time and my quads are the biggest they've ever been, for sure. Um, and I was that dude who was like, you've got to squat to grow, right? Similarly with a good morning, um, it's it's a very, very high skill requirement. Um, and then sissy squats, if you guys have ever done sissy squats, there's a whole load of pain through the knee, a whole load of pain through the hip. Um, and you've got to be very, very careful. 
um, with how you do those. There are definitely a few others up there that we can that we could talk about, uh, but I'm going to leave you with those ones. So if you're currently doing any of those exercises, I would definitely look to change them out um, for something that just allows a little bit more freedom at the joint, something that's a little bit more tactile in where you're trying to target, um, and just making sure you, you, you're concentrating on, on, on how you're lifting versus just lifting because it's very very easy to squat a load of weight but if it's not going through that muscle that you want it to um your resistance is futile and i thought i'd just round this this off with a little bit about hypertrophy your nervous system function and how we can program for optimal hypertrophy there's a few things that we need to consider um in terms of range of motion things like that so we have something called an active range of motion um, which is where the tissue that we are looking to target is actively engaged. Um, it's essentially the, the range that a muscle can move without resistance. So you sit on a bench press, you don't have the weight in your hand, and you just allow your hands to fall as they would do in a bench press, or wherever they fall without you pulling them back. That is actually where you should be benching. Some people are going to have a greater range of motion. Some people are going to have a, a shorter range of motion, and this is just going to do with biomechanics, lever lengths, um, similarly for, I'm trying to think, like a squat, squat down where you can to without weight, and then that's going to be where you're going to go. We know that if we push past active range of motion, we're going to increase neurogenic inflammation, which actually down-regulates the force and doesn't work as efficiently as when you're in, a, in your active range. So while you might be moving more weight, you're actually recruiting less muscle, you're putting more inflammation into your joints, into your ligaments, into your tendons, and you're, and you're offloading into those passive tissues those passive tissues are not the muscles, they're, they're tendons, they're ligaments, they're things that connect the tissues. So we've got to be very, very um, considerate, cons considerate of that when we're going into our into our sessions and you're trying to get get, get the most range of motion you can, Bryce. So yeah, you, you, you might want to do that and it might feel all right, but we know that there is um, a pretty decent reaction happening there in terms of your internal joint pressure, neurogenic inflammation and and you're not going to necessarily feel it if you're young and healthy, like most of you are going to be. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're not going to feel it, and you're going to feel fine, and you're going to say, "Why didn't I go lower, bro?" But when you're older, when you get a big injury, it's going to be because of that, and that's something that you really, really need to consider. So, if we brief, brief, briefly, 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 just go into neuromuscular signaling and just the process of hypertrophy. So, hypertrophic response is essentially the ability to generate intramuscular tension right as much tension as we can we can do that and obviously optimal neuromuscular signal signaling so the chemical process of which happens from the moment you lift up a weight to the moment you put it down um, needs to be optimal in order for you to facilitate better hypertrophy um, in short now don't get lost here as i do all the time um, action potential which is essentially information um, so pick up a weight that's your action potential it travels through the nerve cells which are called motor neurons the motor neurons then reach the muscle cell at the neuromuscular junction so picked up weight that information travels down the motor neuron that motor neuron reaches the muscle cell at the junction which is essentially where you hand over the information motor neurons will then release acetylcholine so acetylcholine will then bind to the sarcomere which is essentially the, the receptor in the in the, in the muscle and this itself is going to create a reaction or you know the muscle contracting um we could go a little bit more into it i don't want to get too deep but essentially sodium is going to influx into your cytoplasm so sodium is going to trigger calcium calcium fuses to the muscle fiber protein strains start to change so sodium in 
to the cytoplasm. Sodium triggers the calcium release. Calcium then fuses to the muscle fiber, which causes it to contract. Um, and then this is essentially where the actin and myosin pulls on each other to drive skeletal muscular contraction, the sliding, the sliding filament theory, which I'm sure no one's heard of. <laughs> um, so we know that hypertrophy is governed by signals at this point, right? The action potential, picking it up, motor neurons, traveling down the line, exchanging the motor neurons, uh, neuromuscular junction, um, and, and, and all these signals are going on to, in order to disrupt our organelles, which are essentially the muscles, which activate satellite cells to proliferate at, at the site of trauma. So satellite cells are going to get activated once you've disrupted those muscles or you've, you've torn them down, essentially, um, and they're going to start to proliferate at that site of trauma. So prolif the proliferation of satellite cells, that's a tongue twister, is what's going to be um, a huge proportion of um, exercise-induced muscle trauma. So biological effort then begins to repair with satellite cells to fuse together the, uh, the satellite cells and the muscle fiber which increases the fiber cross-sectional area and then essentially tissue is hypertrophied. Tissue is grown. So we cause that disruption to the organelles. We then activate satellite cells within our body to proliferate, to, 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 to duplicate, to, to, to grow. And then the biological effort of repair begins with satellite cells fusing with the muscle fiber to increase that cross-sectional area, which increases a muscle. So being chronically sympathetic for example, being in a, in a in a space where you're constantly heightened uh, heightened heart rate, maybe you're drinking coffee all day, maybe you're highly highly stressed, maybe you're very very anxious. That's going to downregulate those signals. So we can we can talk about how it's very very important after a workout to be to calm yourself down, to sit down, talk, you know, bring. I was going to say talk. Who are you talking to after a workout? I mean, maybe you talk to someone, but bring bring your heart rate down, bring your blood pressure down, bring things back down to baseline, so we can get parasympathetic, so that this this satellite proliferation, the satellite cell proliferation, can take place. Otherwise, it's going to be downregulated, and all of these signals are going to be dampened, and that 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 strong signal of hypertrophy that we want is going to be weaker because we're we're highly sympathetic, um, which is something that we need to we need to consider. So. From start to finish, the process of hypertrophy, if any of you guys are interested, this I, I like this kind of stuff, um, and I'm sure some people out there. So muscle injury, we cause that muscle injury, micro injury, of course. Um, satellite cells are switched on, they start proliferating. Uh, chemotaxis to the injured fiber, cytokines um, activate the satellite cells, minimizing muscle wastage and maximizing muscle protein synthesis. Um, and then as satellite cells multiply and fuse to the myofibers, some re remain as the organelle of the muscle fiber, fusing to repair the damaged fibers. And then regenerated myofibril increases the thickness, increases in thickness in number. So, in English, muscle gets hurt, we send, we send helpers to the muscle, which then bind to the, the broken fiber, which then increases the cross-sectional that basically increases the muscle that's it and then we have things that can promote this process we have things that can demote this process or or, or make this process harder and i think that we need to be uh very very aware of these i think it's important to be aware of the process of hypertrophy because maybe not like the ins and the outs and knowing all these different names and, and, and like i'm sure there's some there's some words then that, that people don't even know what they mean right but 
as long as you know the basics that you cause an injury, you cause like a micro injury to that that muscle. Your body sends helpers; those helpers then bind to the to the injured tissue. The injured tissue grows. That process you need to understand that process very very briefly, but you need to understand that that process can be affected by what we do outside of the tr the training window. Right, that process may happen within that within the training window because it's the action of training that causes that process. But we but what you did in the morning can affect how how many satellite cells will proliferate or how many helper cells are going to go help bind to that injured tissue. You know what you do after is going to do the same. Like if you go train and then you wait half an hour, then you go for an hour run, then you wait half an hour, then you go for an hour run, then you wait half an hour and have a coffee. That satellite proliferation is not going to happen. Whereas if you sit down, you chill, heart rate comes down, you have a big meal, that's when it's going to start to happen. And I think that's very, very important to know. Um, someone to look into, Brad Schoenfeld, he's got a lot of science behind the hypertrophy. There is some stuff about hyperplasia, sarcoplasmic, hypertrophy. Um, I'm not going to go into that today, maybe that's something for another day. But it's just something to consider that, that uh, in terms of... In terms of those there are other things i can talk about i think you know let me know if you're interested in this kind of stuff i can talk a little bit about igf1 testosterone growth hormone hypertrophic interactions muscle action i can go into a little bit more about the concentric isometric and eccentric and what actually happens there passive tissues um this is just some of my notes that i'm reading out we can go into the hypertrophy the hypertrophy mechanism should we do the hypertrophy mechanisms before we before we start fuck it let's do it very very briefly we have four well, now we have three, three main causes of hypertrophic, hypertrophic, the hypertrophic mechanism, let me start again, the hypertrophic mechanisms, number one, mechanical tension, now this is just what you can generate in that muscle, um, it's the most expensive for acetylcholine, um, and adenosine triphosphate, so it's, it's quite an expensive taxing energy using, uh, exercise so like you're going to put these ones right at the start when you've got the most acetylcholine and the most adenosine triphosphate atp energy it's basically when you've got the most energy you're going to want to do mechanical tension which is the big weights the heavy weights what you can what you can generate in terms of tension in that muscle um and then if the intensity is sufficient satellite cells will be activated and proliferate so we've got a um, we've got to we've got to think about the intensity of that mechanical tension. This can induce hypertrophy, but not solely. Um, we've got obviously got to add to it um, in terms of the other parts of the hypertrophy mechanism. Muscle damage uh, is the second one, which has got the largest signaling response, and satellite cell activate and proliferate the most. Um, it's got the largest impact on growth factors like IGF one. Um, it's got the largest recovery demand, so this is what's going to cause the real, um, the real kind of uh, the fatigue buildup. Um, the variable to consider here is tolerance. How much can you take in terms of muscle damage? If you go too far, you are going to be injured. Not the not the micro injury, but you're going to be the macro injured where you can't train for a couple of weeks. So you've got to be able to find that balance of of recovery. This is what's going to mostly cause that 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 little that soreness. Now you don't necessarily need soreness to grow, um, but it can be indicative of how well your workout is. Um, I was aim for a little bit of soreness, not too much, just a little bit. 
Uh, and then finally, we've got metab metabolic stress. Now, this manifests from anaerobic glycolysis for ATP, ATP production. It builds up lactates, hydrogen ions, creatine, in inorganic phosphate. All of these things are going to help um, or are going to be part of that process. Um, it doesn't seem to be an essential component, but it does have a notable hypertrophic effect. It, it, it helps create mechanical tension, which is obviously that first point that we talked about. Um, but all muscle growth seems to be driven by tension. Like metabolic stress actually kind of causes mechanical tension, which kind of causes muscle damage, which kind of leads into the other. Um, so these are less, these are be, these are being less seen as points of hypertrophy and more like steps of hypertrophy. So mechanical tension and mechanical stress, both of those things, you know, mechanical stress is like the cell swelling. Things like blood flow restriction training, higher reps, higher volume, putting blood into that muscle and getting that huge pump. Mechanical tension is, is much less about a pump. It's much more about how much weight are you putting through efficiently. Um, and then we can kind of go for that. So, so this is, don't quote me on this because this is not how it is, but in my head, uh, mechanical tension plus stress equals muscle damage, which equals muscle growth. And that's the way you've got to think about it. You've got to hit that mechanical tension portion of your workout, the heavy stuff. You've got to hit that metabol metabolic stress stuff. So, you know, when the people talk about going heavy and then going light for the pump stuff, it, it, like, it kind of works. That's kind of how it is. It just, they just didn't do it by scientific terms. They did it by how they feel. And that's, that's largely what bodybuilding is. So you guys can definitely, uh, I think you take some from that as well. Um, the only other thing is, is a little bit on motor unit recruitment. So motor unit recruitment is essentially the amount of muscle being uh, uh, being used, being being utilized in a in a movement. Now motor unit motor motor unit threshold is going to be much lower in an untrained and an untrained individual. So you're going to need a lot less motor units um, in order to get that stimulus. As, and they also have a, a lower ability to recruit the muscle unit, the motor unit. So they're gonna they're gonna find it much harder um, to recruit the entirety of that muscle just on a chemical level. Now we know that the higher or the closer we get to failure, the more motor unit recruitment we're gonna get. And as well, some of us as pretty well advanced trainers, our ability to to recruit motor units is improved because we've got a better mind to muscle connection. But our ability to to train harder is also going to be there as well. So we can really use intensity and training to failure to recruit more motor units. Recruiting more motor units, more muscle, more muscle, mechanical tension, more metabolic stress, more muscle damage. You get the you get the drift. Um, I'm going to leave that there. This is a little bit of an education series. I think let's go into education series. Idea, cool. Next one, education, cool. Education podcast, Josh Bridge and Fitness coming at you. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, we're going to keep these a little bit shorter. I know I rambled quite a lot on the last one, but just a little bit of information for you and and, and some positive things to, to to take. So let's make the most of this. Let's learn something new. Let me know if you ever have any questions, guys, at Josh Bridgman on Instagram, at Josh Bridgman Fitness on YouTube. We've got a YouTube video coming tomorrow. Um, and drop a rating, guys. If, you, if you're listening this far, drop a rating on the podcast. It helps the podcast. We've got five stars so far and a few hundred people doing it so thank you guys we appreciate you we'll see you soon we'll be back very very soon peace and love everybody uh goodbye
This is Deal by Pop Smoke. She doing back for a nigga. Is she doing back for a nigga? Like a man, like a man. Billy Jean, Billy Jean. 